0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So Jim Say pulls Jeff Saturday out of Friday Night Lights games and the hapless Colts rip off a win. The Bucks look like they're going to kick the bucket. And they lean on a rookie running back instead of the GOAT and roll off a really good-looking win against a strong Seahawks team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The spiraling Packers get a big play receiver back in the lineup and knock off Dallas to spoil their old coach's homecoming, no less. As one does. As one does. (laughs) And Matt Rule got canned, and the Panthers look like a real football team again. Down is up, left is right, cats and dogs living together. In short, pandemonium, welcome to the NFL. It's Mondays like this
1: when we reach for the Lagavulin at 10 o'clock in the morning, EJ. (laughs) This is the cure for all ills. Jay, we have a lot to talk about today. Please roll the intro. Welcome, 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 everybody. I'm, ooh, man, I just gave myself accidentally an extraordinarily generous pour.
0: Oh, a man, blogger that 16. It's going to last
1: me the whole show. Uh, hello, everybody. <laughs> welcome to the Bootleg Football Week 10 recap show. As we alluded to, um, a lot of weird things happened this weekend. A lot of uh, fuckery, as one might call it, around the NFL... Certainly some teams won that we didn't expect. There were some games that were a lot more competitive than we expected. Um, If you did any sort of like four or five game parlay, you probably lost. That's how things went this week. So we have a lot to talk about. But before we get into the start of the week, you know, kind of giving our thoughts now that we've uh, fully absorbed the Thursday night matchup that we streamed last week. Uh,
0: EJ, how you doing? How you feeling? How was your Sunday? It was busy. It was a good time. Uh, my other podcast partner, JB from Bears Over Beers, is on the West Coast, so we actually got to hang out, which is a, a very rare occasion, uh, in person. Watch all the games up at Buffalo Wild Wings and sort of marvel at at all the last minute losses and everything else. But it was a it was a pretty good time. Uh, late night putting the agenda together. First thing Monday morning, here we go. So. It, it it's a fun week to talk about, unless, of course, like you said, you tried to string together a five or six game parlay, and then you probably got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> Just when we think we have it all figured out, it's mid-November, we think we have all these teams
1: dialed in, and then nothing makes sense anymore, but it's okay. Uh, we're going to start off with, with kind of overarching thoughts from the Thursday game, now that we've had time to kind of go through the film. And, and we were, you know, giving live reactions and everything as things happened on Thursday, and trying to make a very unpalatable game as palatable as we possibly could for all of you. But now that almost a week has passed and we're looking at this from the top down, I think the big discussion that comes away from it is with the Falcons still in striking distance to make a playoff run here, is it time to turn to Desmond Ritter? I tend to lean towards yes, because at this point, the one thing that we thought we could trust Marcus Mariota to do, which is protect the football, he's not doing that. So, kind of, what do you have to lose? Like, that's my argument for it. Like, if you're going to turn it over, at least turn it over with the kid and see what he's got, you know?
0: This feels disingenuous, though. I agree with you, to start. In short, yes, we should see Ritter now, soon, whatever, but... Literally, Marcus Mariota is the only guy that hit on your slip. And now we're cutting his knees out from under him and saying, you don't get to start anymore. Hold, hold on. I, when it's over
1: 13 and a half completions, you know how easy that should be to get? And yes. we were still sweating it out. So right. You yeah. had to get into garbage time. No.
0: In, in all seriousness, slip aside, we had this discussion a little bit during the game. A bunch of other analysts have had this discussion since, which is, okay, it feels like... You're not really winning anyways. It's now time to see what you invested. When you talk about Ritter, one of his greatest strengths was his maturity and his experience. So he's had some time sitting behind a very good mentor in Marcus Mariota. Let's take a look so that Arthur Smith and the Falcons understand what they truly have on the field as opposed to in the QB room or the film room or anything else. And see if he can deliver in the field or... If he can't, it leaves you with a very large question for next year. Are you just going to, you know, think he's going to take the jump next year? Because it does take a while. It's not a six or seven game stretch sort of tells all. But if you don't put him out there, you don't have any real-time film other than the preseason to say, oh, we're going to stake our entire next season on presumably this guy.
1: And, I mean, you you never really know what a quarterback class is going to be and how many times are we seeing... You know, guys that went in the second round or the third round end up being, you know, really damn good once they're surrounded by a supporting cast. And so I don't necessarily think it's implausible. You know, a lot of Falcons fans are like, we got to do whatever we can to get Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or, you know, really lean into a tank and go for like Caleb Williams or, or May the next year. You never really know. And so I think if they, mm-hmm. if they give Ritter a shot, and, I mean, they've invested in weapons. They got London. They got Pitts. Um, you know, Coral Patterson is still a top-tier weapon on the backside of 30 at running back receiver. Like, they got some pieces there. And the defense ain't half bad either when they're healthy. Keyword, when they're healthy. I would at least like to see what he's got with a semi-decent supporting cast because sometimes that's literally all you need in the NFL and we're going to talk about some other quarterbacks that got improvements in their supporting cast and suddenly look like pretty good quarterbacks in the league. So like that is a big factor here, but we're not going to know unless he's on the field. Like if he completely shits the bed, yeah, fine. Sure. Go after somebody in the draft or free agency or something like that. But we're never really going to know until he's out there and it's live bullets. And this was honestly kind of a year that nobody really expected anything from them anyway. So what do you really have to – like, if you're going to, okay, cost yourself a 6 seed or a 7 seed or something like that, do you really care? Like, do you think you're going to win a Super Bowl this year anyway? Like, see what the kids got because at least then you'll have some kind of clarity going into the draft, which I think from a long-term, you know, organizational health standpoint, getting clarity I think should be priority number one, not trying to make a Super Bowl run with Marcus Mariota
0: that you probably won't win anyway. Yeah, similar situation to what we've been saying about Justin Fields from the offseason, which was the most important thing in Chicago this year, is, is Justin Fields the guy? Like, you need to figure it out, 100%. Because if he's not, you got to go in another direction. If he is, great, you got to figure out what he needs to be even more successful, like the other guys we talked about. And the only way to do that, I can't stress it enough, is on the field. Because a guy can look great in shell drills a guy can look great in the film room he can take studious notes which you know Ritter does all of those things the NFL is the NFL for a reason Mm -hmm. it is the top football league on the planet it's got a lot of defensive coordinators who want to mess with you in exotic ways in ways that you did not see at Cincinnati if you're Desmond Ritter and you have to react to those things. You've got to, you know, make some bad picks. You've got to get burned. You've got to do all those things so that you can sort of get those out of the way and then see how you react. Do you bounce back? Do you are you able to lead another drive? Can you come back the next week and not make the same mistake twice? All that stuff happens on the field only. And you can talk all you want about how good you're gonna be at it. There's a lot of guys that haven't been able to translate that to between the white lines.
1: And I think, honestly, you know, if if Ritter was in for that game, if they brought him in in the second half like I thought we should and he provided a spark to make it completely about myself, which, of course, I never do. <laughs> I think my slip actually would have been okay because it, I wasn't that far off. I needed only one more field goal from young Waku. I, I needed, like, six more receiving yards from Quarter Patterson. I needed a few more completions from Philip Walker. Like, I could have made this slip work if they just wouldn't keep beating this dead horse with Mariota, when you're already behind and losing terribly in the Panthers, the fucking Panthers are running all over you and we can't make a switch here. So selfishly, I would have liked to see it because then, you know, maybe I would have made 20 bucks off of it, but you know, from a Falcons fan perspective for my own mental health, I would like to see it.
0: I could have been a contender. Could also
1: be- side note, by the way, um, Another narrative from that Thursday game, which we didn't write down pre-show, but I want to bring it up. Deontay Foreman, they're running the hell out of the ball, and they got a whole bunch of picks for Christian McCaffrey. I think they made the right move, and this is nothing against Christian McCaffrey, but like he was getting in the Sunday night game last night. He was still getting outproduced by Eli Mitchell uh, because Eli Mitchell's also really good, and the Niners gave up a whole bunch of picks for him to be a second running back on the team while Deontay Foreman is statistically outproducing even what McCaffrey was giving them on the ground. It has nothing to do with talent level or versatility or anything like that. Running back is a very fungible position, and we're seeing Deontay Foreman succeed and the team get a bunch of picks, while the the team that traded for CMC, A, isn't even giving them a full workload because that's not how they operate, and B, he's not even been the most productive running back on the team once Eli Mitchell came back. And you got Deebo getting carries too. So I, I I I kinda think Carolina won the trade.
0: Just saying. And and what what round was Eli Mitchell picked in? Like the fifth or the sixth yeah. last year or something like that. Yeah, this is this is the thing. It falls very cleanly within our discussion about running backs that we've had on a larger scale and we'll have again as we approach the draft with even more narrative around it even more examples to bring to the table you and I were talking pre-show about Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery David Montgomery needing to be re-signed by someone and whether or not that should be Chicago my answer is no because Khalil Herbert is producing at a very high level again was a lower round draft pick And you can get these guys every year, the Deontay Foremans and lower round picks even and undrafted free agents. We see them produce regularly across the NFL. So it's not that CMC is not a good football player. He is a very good football player. He has his issues with health. But when you can get that and you can get the production that you're getting out of somebody like Deontay Foreman behind a sort of revitalized line that is now running with power. We talked about this all Thursday long that they are pushing the ball. And Deontay Foreman is a perfect match for a team that's pushing the ball. He is a power runner, loves to put weight behind his pads and run people over. You have this synergy, you're getting the same or possibly even a greater effect for less cost, and you got assets in. That's the way you do running back in the NFL. You do not go out and spend first-round picks on them, you know you can if you're at the tail end of the first round and you think the guy is really special but i'm still going to question you because you could get two more guys in the 3rd and the 6th or the 5th and UDFA who if you align them correctly if you scout them correctly are going to give you very similar production for a much much reduced cost
1: it is purely a position that is a finishing piece it is it is the last little accent that you put on there where if you really, really need one and the only benefit to taking one in the first round, again, as a finishing piece is because you get the five years of contract control, technically six, if you include the, the franchise tag. So you get like literally their entire prime under a semi deflated market value, technically, like not really, but technically, like I would still rather have somebody who's Mm -hmm. as dirt cheap as a fourth rounder, but (laughs) you could still get the six years of control that's pretty much the only argument for it other than that there there honestly isn't so Carolina won the trade so far if the Niners win the Super Bowl I don't think they're going to give a shit but you know so far Carolina's won the trade they're running the hell out of the ball Uh, their defense played well they're very good against the run and I think you, you know, you, you can win like this. Are they going to make the playoffs? Again, probably not. There's one guy who bet 80 grand that they wouldn't that is really sweating it out right now. So they're probably not going to make it. But at this point, I, I can't definitively say that they won't because they are playing really well right now. So uh, they definitely busted my slip. I still won overall on the night because I did the second half slip uh, where I hit on that one. So I still won like 40 bucks overall in the night. Cause thank God you could do second half slips on prize picks. Uh, but I, <laughs> the first half one, I, I bungled pretty good. If you guys want to come back for this Thursday stream, it's uh Titans Packers, which is a really intriguing matchup, especially after this Sunday's games. Ultra interesting. Might be one of the most interesting Thursday matchups of the entire season. So come on by here for our live stream that starts half hour before kickoff. We go all the way through the game doing live
0: analysis and such like that. Is such like that? Even a phrase? I don't even think it is. I, I love and such like that because it's a big envelope and we tend to fill it up on Thursday.
1: So. <laughs> There's a lot that goes on. So come by on Thursday for that. We're going to fill out more slips for for Packers, Titans, which has a whole bunch of matchups that I'm going to be digging into uh, later in this show and uh, if you want to tail those slips or if you think that i'm uh, a, a curse upon your house you can go against the slip and completely fade it use promo code bootleg they'll match your deposit for any deposit up to a hundred dollars it could be ten dollars it could be hundred whatever you want to do they'll match it and uh, that's a big help to the show uh, if you do that because they're our title sponsor and they love when you guys do that and they might come back if you keep doing that so we appreciate everybody who already has uh, all right ej With all that being said, thank you to PrizeFix for sponsoring this show. Let's get to 3-Up. 3-Up, number one, EJ, how could we not start with this? Vikings, Bills, possibly the game of the year. I Swear to God, every time the Bills play a game, we think it's the game of the year because they can't stop playing in these types of games. But here we are again, Bills game of the year. And this one even by Bill's bullshittery standards, was special because the weird kind of like Bill's chaos energy collided with the even weirder Vikings chaos energy and combined to make a superstorm, of weirdness and and, uh, we're talking the vikings were down by multiple possessions and it's fourth and 18 and we're hucking up to justin jefferson and he's making i'm not even kidding one of the three greatest catches in nfl history like i think it even outdid the odell one in terms of like difficulty level one hand ripping it out of a db somehow maintaining control and it's fourth and 18 and you're down there's less than two minutes to go and you're driving and it sets up a win like that catch had everything. Jefferson himself, 10 catches for a buck 93 and a touchdown. But then you've got, uh, you know, the, the, the Dalvin drop, you know, just outside the goal line. And then there's a penalty. So they try to sneak it and they don't make it. And then the 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 fumbled snap happens and the Vikings get it back on top. And then Josh is driving and he throws a pick. Like the last two minutes of that game in itself was a whole game's worth of chaos. And there was still 58 other minutes of of craziness. And for me personally, I I loved it as a third-party observer. Bills fans and Vikings fans never want to see each other again because they can't handle that kind of stress. I, I had nothing riding on that game, and I could barely handle the stress. It was phenomenal, but it was nuts. It took years off my life, and I really hope we get a Super Bowl like that because, oh, my God. These teams cannot stop playing the
0: stupidest, weirdest, most entertaining games of the year. It really brings into clear focus that the margin of victory in the NFL is razor thin. (laughs) Every week we have multiple games going down to, you know, hey, it's a three-point game. There's two minutes left. Game we're going to talk about next, Seahawks and Bucks. Like, that game too, like, Looked like it was out of hand, and here comes one team charging back, and suddenly the last, like, three or four minutes really matter. One team makes a mistake. The other team makes a mistake. Okay, who really wants it? And they stack crazy, crazy plays. That Justin Jefferson catch, I'm with you. One of my top three of all time. Unreal. You can watch it ten times and go, he's never going to catch it, knowing (laughs) that he catches it and think you're right every time. So that's really silly but on top of that razor thin margin in each game all those games stack up for divisional games and divisional lead and we highlighted last week that the bills road to divisional supremacy was was a tightrope that Mm -hmm. as good as they are and as strong as they've played that with the improvement in the afc east and the way playoff spots work within your division their hold was in no way a stranglehold in fact it was sort of hanging on to the windowsill with your fingers, and that took all of one week to manifest itself. The Bills, who from the preseason have been Super Bowl favorites, including us, just about every outlet out there, and now the Dolphins lead the division at 7-3. and three. The Jets are second thanks to their head-to-head win, which we talked about last week, and the Bills are third. They're and fighting
1: for a 6 or 7 seed now.
0: Yeah, they are uh-huh. we are fully wild carding. That is a that is a new verb and it is the last verb that anybody in the city that we just traveled to Buffalo wants to hear on a Monday morning that the Bills are shooting for a wild card right now. That is a huge tumble. It's not it's literally the difference between one game, right? But it is a huge tumble in the division and for playoff seedings and that has a massive sort of rollout wave effect on the entire picture in the Mm. AFC, everything else. And this is how narrow the margins are in the NFL game to game, week to week, within a division, within a conference. And it's why it makes it fascinating and entertaining to watch. I think that
1: considering what we saw from Christian Watson this past Sunday, which we will get to him, by the way, if he didn't get hurt on the first play of the game that we watched against the Packers in Buffalo, like, if what they had planned for him in that game, which they said they had plans for him in that game, if what they had planned for him in that game was what happened this week, we could have been staring down the barrel of three straight Bills losses, which I thought was unconscionable going mm-hmm. into September, especially after we saw them live in L.A. in week one, where we're like, oh, my God, are they even going to lose a game this year? Like, yeah. it, it's there's very real concern and they I can't even consider the Browns a get right game cuz the Browns have a lot of talent themselves. I know they just got rolled by Miami, but like <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick Chubb can take over any game anywhere at the drop of a hat if if they're not careful here. So I'm not I'm not out on the Bills, but they're in a lot more precarious position than I thought they could be, and I really, this pains me to say it, a big reason for that is Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. The turnovers have got to stop. And it's not just turnovers, it's dumb turnovers. Like, inexplicable interceptions. It's happened literally the last three games in a row. Like, just the stupidest, like, 2018 2019 Josh Allen type picks and they were gone for two years yeah. and all of a sudden they showed up again and he's pressing and he's not seeing the field well and I I don't get it but as long as he keeps turning the ball over like you can lose to anyone you can lose to anyone in this league if you're throwing two really bad picks a game you're basically spotting them points so if he keeps doing that against Cleveland like yeah they're gonna lose and if he does it against Detroit, guess what? They're going to lose. He's got to stop throwing these picks or all of a sudden it's not going to be, oh, we're fighting for the division. It's we're fighting for the seven seed. And that's the Bills.
0: This is a huge test for Ken Dorsey because the the common element that is now gone is Brian Dable. And mm-hmm. I know Dorsey and Dable worked very closely together with Josh to build that offensive success around Josh that we've seen for the last two years. And he has – don't think that he hasn't tried to slip into these old habits, but Dable was able to have that stable hand, however he did it, and guide Josh back to, hey, you threw a bad one, don't throw another bad one, right? Hey, that's a pick you would have thrown two years ago. Here's what you need to look at. Refocus on this. And and Josh stayed out of that trough, mm-hmm. Right he's slid back into those bad habits he started we started talking about it three weeks ago and we were like oh these were the picks that he definitely was not throwing at the beginning of the year which is why when we saw them in so far we were like they look unstoppable because he's eliminated the bad josh part from his game and without that he's just a, an 18 wheeler that can throw 80 yard bombs good luck <laughs> right that's all that's left so you're gonna lose And the only thing really that can kind of beat Josh Allen at the height of his powers is Josh Allen at the height of his powers, right? When he is making bad decisions and he started making bad decisions, really bad decisions, grievously bad decisions in the red zone and throwing those lousy picks. And Dorsey hasn't been able to kind of go up and grab the handlebars of his bike and pull him out of the rut and go, we need to get back over here. And he needs to, because if he can't, they are in a very slim position elbow injury notwithstanding you just can't make bad decisions like that especially not down in the red zone because it becomes this big plus minus swing if they push down and get points and you gave up points it's not just three points for them it's the difference between the seven you were gonna get and the three for that's a 10 point swing we've talked about how tight these games are you can't keep making those mistakes and he's made them weeks and weeks and weeks in a row now and it's Mm -hmm. super duper concerning i know bill's fans are concerned about it ken dorsey has to write the ship here he has to write josh allen's ship and get him back to where those decisions are live to fight another day don't force it in short now it's easy for me to say obviously tougher to do on an nfl football field but if they don't their chances are going to continue to decline and that pains me to death because this is a wildly talented team that has a very bright future, and they got to they gotta do what all good teams do, which is fight through this adversity, figure out how to get back to their winning ways that they had very strongly for the first month, month and a half. And if they don't, they're going to fade, and it's going to be one of the all-time bad fades. And they especially can't afford to make those mistakes against the Vikings,
1: which under Kevin O'Connell have done a tremendous job at winning one score games you know one of the overlooked stats i think so far is that the vikings and raiders have been in the exact same amount of one score games this year the vikings (laughs) win all of them the raiders lose all of them because the vikings can they can hold their water and they can make a play when they absolutely need to and the raiders can't and so you can't you can't crack the door open against minnesota because let's be honest kirk and Jefferson and those pass rushers and Dalvin, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And they took two miles in this game. Like, they were dead. They were gone. They were buried. And then they got the ball back, and that was it. It's all they needed. Now, all that being said, uh, three up number two. This was the game before that Vikings-Bills game that led into it, uh, which was equally entertaining. For a few different reasons it wasn't as chaotic but definitely as entertaining seahawks bucks from germany and one of the reasons why i love that game so much had nothing to do with the game itself and what was happening on the field the german fans brought it they have been begging for a game for so long it's the second most popular sport in germany you go to the the England games and you look at the stands; it's full of Germans. Like they come over in droves for any game that's even relatively accessible for them. So they have been begging for a game in Germany. They got one. They showed up. The energy was incredible. Like that was the loudest I have ever heard "Country Roads" sang ever, and it was not uh, in Morgantown; it was in Munich. Like that. That was. Incredible energy, and I really can't wait to go next year. I will move heaven and earth to make that happen because I need to see a game with those people.
0: It was a huge win for Germany. It doesn't matter who won. I realize if you're a fan or Hawks fan, you, th- you think it matters very much who won. <laughs> this needed to be a win for the NFL. Germany provided it all week long. The lead-up with all the media felt a little Super Bowl-like, like it was Super Bowl-light-like. Tremendous energy outside the stadium, inside the stadium, loud. The Seahawks chants were rocking. You know, reporters who are at regular NFL games every week were like, man, this place is loud. And I'm really happy for Germany and the league. The league needed this to work. It's the first regular season game ever in Germany. And the German fans got a good one. They got to see Greatest quarterback of all time, Tom Brady play. Other big players throughout the game, made big plays a lot of times. Sometimes in the London games, we've seen, you know, maybe they're hurt or maybe they just don't score a touch like they got to see Lockett score a touchdown, trying to come charging back. There's a huge Seahawks contingent within Germany, and they got a great game. Like, Mm -hmm. they got a great game experience. They got a great game on the field. The product was all there. Like, Roger Goodell was in the stands. He had to be just smiling ear to ear because Germany is a massive market already. This is not some developing market. This is probably one of the most misunderstood things about the German NFL market is people think, oh, it's building. It's not building. It's there. It is full of rabid fans. For this show, our fourth largest market since we started, since the first day we ever put out any content is germany mm-hmm. has been easily like strongly patrons folks in the comments folks staying up in the middle of the night watching the draft live stream the whole thing like this is a country that is absolutely consumed with the nfl right now and they got a gem of a game in one of their country's best stadiums i just i couldn't be happier sort of for all sides and hell yes I want to be in Germany next year when they play. Uh, in terms of
1: what happened on the field, my biggest takeaway is Rashad White is here, and he should be the new Bucks RB1. Nothing against Lenny, but Rashad White is more explosive. He still makes plays in the receiving game. He's making uh, – you know, it's hard to say making plays in pass pro, but he does. Uh, <laughs> it's true. He, do, he does handle his business in pass protection. He runs inside, he runs outside, like he's a very versatile running back. And we said that when he was coming out of ASU. He was one of my, you know, my top three down backs, like non like not just a role player, but somebody you could have in any situation in the game. He was one of my top three down backs in this class. And I kind of think that this was the game that put the exclamation mark on if we're gonna do a 1A, one B type situation, he should be the one A. Lenny should be the one B especially since Lenny's got a hip injury now. Like, I'm, I'm not going to give an injured Leonard Fournette carries over Rashad White when Rashad White has done nothing for the last month but prove that he's ready. So I, I kind of think that that's where we're at. You know, the Bucks' run game has been much maligned. I kind of want to give him a shot at full-time duty to see if he can bring it back because 22 for a buck 05 and a game-sealing, bone-shattering, stiff arm of the century on Quandre Diggs... That told me he's ready to be the guy, and he should be the guy.
0: Don't disagree at all. The young stars for the Bucks on offense, Rashad White, this was his day to shine. Kate Otten's been playing very, very well over the last month, but really over the last two weeks has made his presence known as what I think is the Bucks' best tight end, and I know they have Cameron Braid. I would still be starting Kate Otten over him. So these guys are powering along, but specifically with Rashad White, and this is going to sound so weird it allowed the bucks to take the ball out of tom brady's hands. <laughs> yes. Tom Brady has been throwing a lot and it hasn't been working, right? It's not Brady's fault or the receiver's fault. Overall the offense was not able to win games. Brady was back to being deadly efficient. He had 22 completions in this game. He threw less than 30 times, which he hasn't done in many games and it allowed them to keep moving the chains moving the sticks having explosive plays in the run game setting up the Seahawks to where they had to account for that run game and then Brady was just surgical he was unafraid of the Seahawks rookie corners and I I had this thought early in the game it was on very early in the morning and I thought oh maybe that's just my sleep addled brain but I went back and looked at who the Seahawks had played they haven't run into any quarterbacks that have anywhere near the confidence of Tom Brady, and Tom was not afraid of Tariq Wollin. He threw right at him. He was not afraid of Kobe Bryant. He burned him multiple times. They
1: even threw at Tariq Wollin with Tom Brady.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, he had a great comment about that, that if he hadn't fallen down, he would have mossed a guy and gone for a uh, touchdown. Okay. Okay, oh, Tom. sure. Yeah. But it, to say that the Bucks won by limiting Tom Brady's attempts in the passing game sounds weird but it is 100% what happened it let this offense be balanced and Brady did the rest he looked very very sharp and you know really Tariq and Kobe they're they're going to be great players but this was their real welcome to the NFL moment of oh god this guy is completely unafraid when I'm in good coverage <laughs> of whipping it right at me and I'm still going to have to make a play and Tom didn't let him do that. Bucks come away with a win overall. Seahawks with a furious comeback. This game looked out of hand by a couple of scores. And Seahawks churned right back in and again made it a game with just a few minutes to go. Really cool that again Germany got to see that, but it was a quality product and it was resilient by, you know, Gino and crew to say we're not just gonna bend to the former Super Bowl champs. We're gonna we're gonna give them a game. And it was just fun football all the way around I
1: think uh there's there's a couple throws Tom made against Tariq and Kobe where you you saw them look around like wait he can you you, you can do that like I was there I was in position you can just deliver the ball hand deliver it right there over the shoulder okay sure
0: that's fair
1: Tom back there (laughs) waving don't
0: care nice try Rook
1: Oh, man. It was fun. It was fun. It was a great game. Geno made plays. White made plays. Brady made plays. Tariq Kenneth Eden, Walker. Man. Kenneth Walker. Like,
0: the entire drive to get them down for the, the touchdown that sort of started the comeback was like, throw to Kenneth Walker. Throw to Kenneth Walker. Throw to Kenneth Walker. And he just kept producing yards. I was like, well, eventually they're going to cover well, it. They, Mark, they couldn't they?
1: run. They couldn't. This was yeah. the, this is honestly one of the best games for the Bucks run defense the entire yeah. year. So they got to get in the
0: ball somehow. That was the quiet one, is we can talk everything we want about Brady and the balance of the offense, Rashad White and K-Dotten. Buck's run defense, which has been getting gashed, came back, and White made plays. We've been hard on White's case at linebacker, and he made plays. Devin White, not Rashad White, to be specific. Yeah, yeah. And he deserves credit, but again, when you're playing good run defense, it's a team effort, and the Bucks have not been able to get on the same page with run defense, and they squashed a very prolific run game from the Seahawks, and limited that effectiveness. And honestly, you know that's as much a factor as anything we talked about on offense. Going from this
1: game to uh, three up number three which is another uh, older quarterback that was tired of putting up with our shit, Aaron Rodgers. Also, having a little bit of a, a, a mini bounce back. Actually, not even mini bounce back. Big bounce back. Big bounce back. <laughs> this week. Um, nobody gave them a shot. No, even we didn't give them a shot. We're like, ah, I don't know, that pass rush, that defense, Dax here. Like, I know, you know Pollard, if he's getting more involved, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, even mm-hmm. though Zeke's hurt, like, they're going to run over him. They're going to throw over him. They're going to beat the shit out of Rodgers with a pass rush. Like, I, 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 from a pure matchup standpoint, there was no way they had a shot. And then they lined up. And, and Rodgers came out and said, I ain't dead yet, fuckers. I got this new kid, Christian Watson, over there, number nine. He's dropped two balls in a row, my first two throws. I get it, but he's going to get you back. And, oh, my God, he got them back. I I went, because I watched the game live on broadcast, but as soon as I could get the all-22, I went back. So I was like, I need to see what happened. Like, (laughs) were these manufactured touchdowns? Was he just winning? This kid wasn't just winning, (laughs) okay? He was killing the, the entire Cowboys secondary. And I think this coming out party was very real and he gives them an element that they literally did not have until this week, which was a big play threat that if you line up in man coverage, he will score on you like immediately. He will score on you that first touchdown. um, It it was interesting. The the Cowboys DB was aligned head up, which that wide of a split you're not, (laughs) used to seeing a corner that is not inside leverage cuz typically the corner wants to take away anything inside push you to the boundary. The corner I think did not respect Christian Watson at all. Oh. So he was lying head up cuz he's like I know you're going to go outside. I'm just going to stack on top of you. place chest chest and I'm going to take away your ability to stack me on the outside. And Watson's like oh okay. Okay. I'm going to do my I'm going to do my best Devonte Adams impersonation. And if you give me an inside release towards your post safety because you think you're going to get help, you're not going to get help, buddy. And so he kind of like did a little uh, did like a little shimmy, kind of almost like he was about to release outside and then just went right around him inside and stacked him so fucking quick. Like his head snapped around. And once he got on top again, that kid, he's six, yeah. four runs, four, three. And Rogers, he's like, OK, he's dropped the first two. I'm going to give him another one because what else do I got to lose? And he laid up this moon ball and Watson just like willy mazed it for a score. And that was the turning point in the game. That was the turning point in the game. Cause not, not only did it let Rogers know that that can work. It let Watson know, like I can make plays. These are the Dallas Cowboys. It's nighttime at Lambeau field and I can make plays. And so then Rogers came back to him again and again and again, third and two. Hey, kid, I need you to read this zone coverage properly and slow up in the exact spot. I need you to slow up and move these chains. Fourth and seven. Hey, kid, we're calling middle read. I need you to to win on this release and read the safety correctly and get to the right spot, and he did. He scored on it. Hey, kid, it's down in the low red zone. It's third down. You got two DBs leveraged inside of you. I need you to still win inside anyway on the shallow and just roast them with your speed, and he did. He did. Time after time after time, Aaron looked to this kid and said, I need you to be the guy and make the play. You are my new Jordy. You are my new Devonte. I need you. And he did it. And that scares the shit out of me because that was what they were missing. And now they have it. The sky's the limit. Like this, the Packers were broken two weeks ago. That I think fixed it.
0: And that's not an exaggeration. I think they fixed it. It's the thing they have not had. The one thing that they have not had. They they gave up everybody literally in one offseason. Like Devontae's gone. They got some of those plays from MVS. They got some of those plays from Equinimus St. Brown. All, all those all those guys are gone. And they had guys that could win underneath. Lazard can win some contested catches down the boundary, but he's not that guy. He's not just going to flat run away from a middle safety. And they they've been looking. They drafted Dubs. Dubs gave them some of it. Watson has been much maligned. We were high on Watson. And again, this is a reminder to everyone. Not everybody progresses when you're an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid at the same rate. Right? Watson had trouble staying healthy. He dropped Mm -hmm. some balls in the preseason. He dropped some balls in the regular season. And everybody said, he sucks. It's over. We wasted all the picks we used to go get him. It's the 10th game of his career. It's the 10th game of his career, and he broke out and not, not the even. Dallas Not he even. He's been hurt. It's not even the 10th no, game. No, I mean, it's the 10th possible <laughs> game of his career, right? Yeah. If he'd been healthy for all of them, in terms of playing them, you're right. He hasn't been on the field for all of them. He came out in the 10th game, 10th possible game of his career, and beat the Dallas Cowboys. Like, he beat the Dallas Cowboys, and mm-hmm. it changed a team that was spiraling and looking really bad. Just ask Packers fans what they felt last week as opposed to what they feel this week. And they needed that element to go get a chunk play, a big chunk play, possibly a score, and he, it's lightning in a bottle, which is why we were so excited about him. Yes, he had a high drop rate in college. Yes, he did not come from a passing offense, but you could see it. Just like you could see the basketball skills with Drake London. Christian Watson was tall, and explosive. And if you went single coverage, one-on-one, most people can't handle him on the outside because he's just too big and too fast. Now, if he doesn't catch it, that doesn't make a hill of beans a difference. But Rodgers finally, I think was reduced to nobody else in this wide receiver room can do what you can do. Can you do it? Because I'll I'll stomach a couple drops from a rookie, which is not a Rodgers trait. Usually he's going to put that guy in the doghouse and never bring him back. There's nobody else to bring out behind him <laughs> so he was like man kid catch one right catch one catch one 60 yard go for touchdown like let me keep chucking you these and he can and he kept winning and it does change who the packers are on the football field because they didn't have that element they've counted on that element for years they've gotten it from many of the guys you've named as you go back through time they've always had that element and rogers definitely has that arm but it was basically bottled up because he couldn't, he couldn't throw it to anybody. Watson finally gets healthy, gets back on the field, fights through a couple of drops, finally cracks it open and makes some big plays. And Rodgers is like, okay, let's go. Like I'll just keep chucking it to you and we'll see what happens. And what happens is Cowboys had this game in hand easily. Let's not forget. They marched into Lambeau Field. They're the heavy favorites. 13-23 to go in the fourth quarter. They had a 96.2 win probability percentage. I didn't know it was that bad. Oh,
1: my God.
0: (laughs) 13 minutes left. 96. That is locked down. We talked about how thin the margins are, but 100 things have to happen for the Packers correctly within the next 13 minutes for them to win this game. They are are on life support at that point. The wheels came off, which, quite frankly, and this is not a shot, is not an uncommon thing for a McCarthy coach team in Lambeau. Like, mm-hmm. that's why he eventually got run out of Green Bay. But the stars on the Cowboys, not happy. Micah, strangely, had his fewest rushes of the season as an edge rusher, dropped into coverage much more than he has throughout the entire season. He only had one pressure. We're talking about Micah Parsons, a guy that people are comparing favorably to LT. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about LaDainian Tomlinson. I'm talking about Lawrence freaking Taylor. Like that is the highest praise you can give an edge rusher in the NFL. And you only rush him like 10 times and he gets one pressure and you drop him into coverage like five times more than that. It's crazy. He was not happy after the game, made comments to that effect. Dak sat at his locker with his head down and a quote unquote vacant stare uh, after the game. These, (laughs) These guys are not pleased that they had it they had it and it's really tough in the nfl mentally and in the standings if you let winnable games get away from you whether or not you were supposed to win them if you're on top and have a 90 plus winning percentage going in through the fourth quarter and you let it slip away those games are really hard to get back right you can beat the people you're supposed to on your schedule but this you know At least when this one was penciled in at the beginning of the year, this was an even matchup. This was a, well, let's see who wants it. The Cowboys had it on the road against a very wounded Packers team, and they blew it. They just blew it, and that is going to sting more than usual. And it wasn't just,
1: you know, the Cowboys making mistakes. Like, this was one of the most complete games the Packers overall played. Like, Aaron Jones got 24 carries for a buck 40 and a touchdown like aaron jones never gets 24 carries we begged them to give him 24 carries and they did it you know as a not even as a complimentary piece to watson but um as like the main dish and and watson was the, the 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 beautiful tasty side dish you know he was the potatoes aaron jones was the was the beef and it worked And, you know, Aaron Rodgers had a few vintage Aaron Rodgers throws, which is kind of all you need to do when your run game is working that well. And the defense is hit or miss. Like, run defense, again, has been a problem for them. It's been a problem for them all year. But the pass defense was still good. They got a couple key interceptions, um, you know, on Dak, one of which was in the end zone. There was a couple odd kind of miscommunications between Dak and his receivers, which you would think with how long they've been together and in the same offense that wouldn't happen, but it did. And maybe that speaks to McCarthy still that his guys just can't get on the same page sometimes when they really need to, but like overall very complete performance from the Packers. They ran the ball, they threw the ball, they played good defense ish, mostly somewhat (laughs) by their standards. They played good defense and they beat the big bad Cowboys. You know, and and once again, Aaron Rodgers. Something about him against Dallas. They just doesn't matter how bad the Packers are, they just can't beat him. And uh, you know, I, I think we might now that this formula has been unlocked. Wouldn't be surprised if the Packers go on a little bit of a run here, and we see this same exact matchup again in January. Because I don't know, six lost Packers. I'm not exactly ruling them out. They're only a couple games out of being 500. And once you're 500 going into December, anybody's ball game, you know? So I, I don't know. Packers
0: aren't dead yet. That's my main takeaway. I right. I'm, I'm with you. And it's very scary that they needed something to be unlocked. They've slowly been grinding down in terms of just that hopelessness of this is not going to turn around. And it, it is a, it's more than a spark. It's already like a small forest fire and if get, it gets a little bit of wind in the next couple of weeks yeah, they could they could push with that ability if Watson stays healthy and they can score when they want to. Not a team I'd want to play down the stretch.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Trade Coffee. And if you watch the video version of this show, you probably noticed that I drink about eight or nine cups every single day. Because between running multiple YouTube channels and a podcast, my work days are obnoxiously long. And because I go through so much coffee, I tend to get bored with my normal store-bought coffee pretty quickly, which in comes trade. They're a coffee subscription service that sends both me and EJ freshly roasted coffee from small independent roasters all over the country. And they send it to us on our schedule so that we never run out. There are hundreds upon hundreds of coffees to choose from on trade. And we actually worked with trade to create a whole bootleg collection of coffees with about 50 different options, all from independent roasters in the United States. And keep in mind, by the way, uh, my tastes are Probably very different than most of you because I'm a sucker for dark roast and I know a lot of people don't like that But I happen to love it and if you don't like what you're looking at within our collection There's still another 400 options on the site for you to browse through and you can find what you actually are looking for and stuff You do actually like and if you don't love your first bag They'll even work with you to replace it with something else for free So if you want to support small businesses and brew honestly the best cup of coffee you're ever gonna make at home Right now, Trade Coffee is offering our listeners a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping at drinktrade.com bootleg. Again, that is drinktrade.com bootleg for $30 off your subscription to the best coffees you're ever going to have. Thank you again to Trade for sponsoring. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right, let's get to three down. down uh this week are all afc west teams it's kind of a a bootleg humble pie afc west edition and so we're going to kind of go one after another with the three non-functional afc west teams by the way the chiefs are very functional Uh, they're 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 fine they're off in their own doing their own thing you know making runs for first first seat again they're okay the rest of the division not so much uh so first up Denver Broncos for three down number one another week another really awful offensive performance Um, Russ had a a really bad pick at the end uh, on fourth down where he sailed it over Sutton and he was getting hit as he threw it but you know that situation should not have even been there in the first place because if you go back to uh, the third down which was third and four it was a Rashad Weaver sack like, it's a clear man coverage tell before the snap. You've got the, you know, to the boundary side, you've got the rub route wide open. If you just executed the offense like you're supposed to and threw the rub, you would have got a fresh set of downs in the middle of the red zone with, like, 35 seconds left, plenty of time to score, and, you know, maybe do something here. And he just, he missed the read, and he held the ball, and Weaver strip-sacked him, which then made it, like, fourth and 13. A billion. You know? Yeah. But, you know, he had two other players. Almost picks earlier in this game where, like, to me, beyond just the decision making, um, the, the, the velocity isn't there anymore. And like, his ability to put the ball in a spot and leading his receiver both laterally and vertically he's not leading receivers anymore. He's kind of just throwing it up and hoping that they just go make a play rather than helping them create space to make a play. Like he almost got picked off in the end zone because he left the ball six yards short. There was another one he almost got picked off um, because, uh, you know, he kind of shook off a pressure and then just like threw it 10 yards shorter than he should have and didn't lead his receiver laterally. So I don't know. It's just, Russ is not... Playing well, actually, I can't even describe it as that. Russ is playing like shit. It's even worse than not playing well. He's just playing like shit. And if you go up against a Titans defense where you've got two guys getting double-digit pressures into Nico Autry and uh, Rashad Weaver, and you're playing like shit, and you know the the few times you can actually get the ball down the field, you're missing that badly. It's no wonder they can't score. Like they can't pass protect. They can't throw. They can't run. They can't do anything. It's just.
0: It's miserable right now. And this was the whole problem that they aligned their offseason, their entire offseason strategy. Everything they did was aimed at solving this problem. Right? They hired Daniel Hackett as an offensive head coach. They went out and paid a boatload for Russ to be the trigger man for the offense that we've been waiting to see unleashed. And wah, 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 like they're not getting it right now to the point that this stat came up yesterday. It's from Ryan Konigsberg. If the Broncos had scored exactly eighteen points in regulation of every game, they would be eight and one. Like if every like if regardless... they had scored eighteen points in regular time every game this season, they would be eight and one. That would be like twenty fifth
1: in the league. So they just need to be better than that to eighteen be eight points.
0: 18 points is really low in terms oh my of point God. score. We talked about it last week, how good the defense has been and how overshadowed their very good defensive performances have been by this just muddling offense that cannot get out of its own way that is a combination between Hackett, Russ... And everybody else, like offenses, it's a team sport, and they can't get on the same page enough to score 18 points because if they had, with that defensive support, they'd be 8-1. and one. I retweeted that yesterday, and somebody said, so they're the Denver Bears? <laughs> I was like, no, oh, not even close. The Bears well, offense, not, you know. Not the Bears now, but that is a <laughs> new phenomenon over the last four weeks. Typically, this is the situation we've seen. Over the years in Chicago, good defense, offense that can't get out of its own way. Man, if they'd just been able to score 20, if they'd been able to score 14 a lot of times, the Bears would have won. Broncos need 18 points a game to be good enough to let their defense do their thing and win games. And they can't. They just can't. And it, I'm with you. It doesn't look like an easy fix. There isn't someone waiting in the wings that they can just bring in and say, hey, kind of like a Desmond Ritter, let's see what you've got because this guy that we mortgaged our entire franchise for for the next multiple years doesn't look like he's got it anymore and he's making some really terrible decisions and it's costing us ball games. There isn't a pivot at this point. They can't pivot. They are They are locked in with Russ. And if you're a Broncos fan, that is a monstrous concern.
1: I think it says something that if the Broncos had Kenny Pickett right now, not that Kenny Pickett has like lit the world on fire, but if they had Kenny Pickett right now, they probably would be eight and one because he wouldn't be turning it over like Russ. You know, he wouldn't be, you know, missing really easy reads like Russ, like say what you want about Kenny Pickett. He's at least keeping his, his team in position to win games a lot. Whereas Russ has been like an active detriment to their success, which if you told me that three months ago, I would have laughed in your face. And here we are.
0: The NFL is a cruel mistress, you know, very, uh, and that's going to come up in the next team. We talk about at The AFC West, the Raiders. Oh God. Look, the Raiders are really banged up. We're going to talk about that, but they're just not a very good football team. Lots of teams that suffer injuries, manage to find a way. The Raiders are finding a way only to lose and that's rugged. They're 2 and 7. They're 0 and 5 on the road. They've lost their last 3 in a row. You want to talk about a slumping team, but here's the cruelty. Here this is this is fascinating and awful all at the same time. For the season, so total points for and points against for the season. They've scored 3 more points than the Chargers and allowed 2 less points than the Chargers overall for the entire season. And they have three fewer wins than that team. See, that's what we were talking
1: about earlier, man. These it's one-score exactly. games.
0: Like, Minnesota
1: <laughs> uh, wins them. The Raiders find
0: a way to lose. 100%. When you said that, I was like, I wonder if he read that. But we're going to get to that. This is the cruelty of the Raiders. is They could be. This is a very fine line. And we talked about that fine line to open the show. This is a very fine line. They could be a multiple win team. There are fairly easy ways that they could have won many of the games they've been in this season but they won't do it they can't do it they are continuing on oh and five on the road over their last three and again where's the answer for this you know, waller's on ir renfro's on ir like josh jacobs has been very good throughout the year but he can't do him by himself Derek carr broke down in his post-game presser yesterday started crying at the podium because he's just it's it's weighing on him, man. Like, this is a tough place to be to put in all the work and have that be the result. He said, you know, this this hurts, and it does. And if you're a Raiders fan, it really hurts. Uh, for us, it hurts a little bit because we spent all summer <laughs> talking about the arms race in this division and how good they were going to be, and this is going to be the giant robot division, and they were just going to walk all over the NFL. And three-quarters of this division is slumping pretty heavily right now and it is not a good look and there aren't necessarily easy answers for at least two out of the three teams
1: You and you brought up car being emotional at the podium like he's a big problem too it's not like oh <laughs> everything around car is failing like I was going through the all 22 late last night to prepare for this show. It's currently what, like 11 AM right now. Um, And so 12 hours ago, I was going through the all 22 um, and he was straight up, not seeing the field, you know, early on in the game. I'm talking like the first five minutes of the game. um, They get two penalties in a row. So it's first and 25, which two penalties in a row, classic Raiders, right? Put yourself in a hole before you even have a shot. They get a big post open, Against a busted coverage. Car is literally sitting back there. No pressure. One second, two seconds, three seconds. I'm like, Derek, throw the ball. Derek, throw the ball. Derek, throw the fucking ball. And then pressure came in on him and it was wide open. I'm talking like easy six to Mac Hollins. And he just didn't see it or wasn't looking or I, I don't know where his eyes were. Just didn't see it. Next drive. Third and six, they get a choice right out of the backfield. Uh, 22, I can't remember which running back that is. 22, um, you know, just gives like a real nice shake at the top of the route, breaks inside, open by four yards, which (laughs) who's open by four yards in the NFL (laughs) against man coverage? (laughs) Nobody, ever. And Derek just didn't see it. And so he tried to force force a dig route again, got broken up, off the field. Punt, 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 punt. And I'm like, Derek, what are you looking at? And I'm not saying he's the only problem, but when you're having those issues on third downs where you're constantly getting run off the field with three and outs, and it's because the quarterback is not seeing the field, how do you not give him the primary blame? Like, yeah, we could talk about the defense completely blowing a run fit against Jonathan Taylor, um, where at least to me looking at it like the linebacker definitely thought that crosby was going to wrong shoulder uh the sift block coming back on inside zone he thought crosby was going to go inside so he went outside they both went outside and then the nickel was like pressuring a crack so he didn't fall back into the fit there was literally nobody there there was just a canyon with no raiders there because they were all doing different shit and not fitting the run like they were supposed to and so taylor got like a 66 yarder. like yeah we could talk about them screwing that up. We could talk about them not making tackles in space, like the DBs couldn't tackle at all. But even through all that, if Carr just saw the field and, like, saw Hollins running wide-ass open, they still probably win the game. So probably. it's just it's frustrating because I know, like, we, we love the leadership and we like Carr as a person. He's, he's emotional at the podium and we know he cares. But... <laughs> It's not enough to just care. You got to play well, and he's not playing well. Like, it's not just a Josh McDaniels problem, it's an everything problem, which is probably worse.
0: Yes, it is worse because it's harder to fix. Mm -hmm. And speaking of things you can't fix, chargering. You cannot fix chargering. (laughs) chargering is a verb we've used it before and it is a real thing and it is real again this year and if you are a los angeles chargers fan you are feeling it so yesterday i was lucky enough to go hang out with alex Katzen, who writes for the chargers wire we also know him as the man of spreadsheet myth and legend we met him at the senior bowl a couple of years ago and he posted this yesterday at the conclusion of the chargers san francisco game the chargers were missing here's a list of the positions that they are missing rb2 wide receiver one two and four tight end one and two left tackle one right tackle one defensive line one four and five edge one and three cornerback one kicker one and kicker two kicker two seriously come on chargers also qb1 justin herbert was injured both previously and again in the game linebacker two also missed time with an injury tonight wide receiver three has missed games already send help is what he says and i i don't know where you can get that much help in you know week 10 of the nfl season the answer is you can't practice squads aren't that big that is a massive amount of talent off the field with injuries which is a annual freaking problem with the Chargers and they cannot seem to get over it now what they've done when that talent has been healthy and on the field is also an issue and the coaching certainly needs to be looked at I I sort of go back and forth on whether Tom Telesco should be looked at as the GM because man there's a lot of talent in the Chargers organization like the guys they have in those positions there's a lot of really good players but Every single year, the Chargers just get ground up and spit out, and Herbert has to play hero ball to a bunch of people you've never heard of before, and it's like rinse, lather, repeat.
1: I don't necessarily think it's a Telesco problem, and I don't even know if it's a medical staff problem. It's just weird, freak stuff. Like Slater, like uh, I think it was a bicep. Mm -hmm. It's like how, how it just happens. And I don't even know how it just happens, and it, but it happens to them a lot, a, <laughs> a lot, lot, a lot, a lot. And, you know, yeah. Keenan Keenan's hamstrings are like legendarily finicky. Like this is not the first year this has happened. No. Like Keenan has always had soft tissue issues. Um, I say that five times fast. Jesus Christ, I can't. <laughs> but you know, this one, it, it, as he gets older, this one's just been especially bad. And honestly, at this point, I don't even know if we're going to see him at all this year. Like I really don't. It's been like eight weeks or something like that it
0: doesn't feel like if we do it'll be fully healthy at no. this point like he's at this be, point he's shut just him down until
1: January if you make the playoffs great if not yeah. you know yeah uh and you know Mike Williams he's been out a couple weeks than ankle I don't know when he's coming back and so we're we're hoping for the DeAndre Carter show every week Palmer Well, Palmer, Palmer has got it together early in the year. He and Justin were not on the same page. Palmer has definitely got it together out of necessity, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is he got the opportunity, but it's also important to say a guy that we got on early in one of our Thursday night streams, like, you know, who was not on the same page. We talked about it in the podcast the following week. He, over the last couple of weeks, has started to build that rapport. They do have a connection. Unfortunately, it's because of necessity, right? That's the only way they could do it is that, again, it's kind of like kind of like Aaron Rodgers. There's nobody left to throw it to. I'm going to whip it up to Watson. Got to throw it to Palmer, but they've they've managed to do it, and Palmer has responded. And that's good to see, but it's sort of like the ultimate pheric victory. Like, oh, Josh Palmer's good because all the other <laughs> wide receivers are dead. It's terrible. <sighs>
1: I am going to see them this Sunday, by the way, I'm going to be at the primetime game. Mm-hmm. And so far, this is my first Chiefs game ever. Oh. So Nikki and I are going to be down in San Diego and we're driving up like from San Diego that morning to, to go out there and, and hopefully, you know, see a good game. Cause it feels like every time we get Herbert and Mahomes on the same field, we get a good game out of it. So I'm hoping that we get another one here, especially now that Herbert seems to be healthy. Um, So, I'm excited. If you guys are going to the game, whether you're a Chiefs fan or Chargers fan, please let me know because we want to stop by and steal your food at the tailgate if if possible. (laughs) So, you know, just let me know. Let me know in the comments. Um, And, yeah, so we'll be there. And then uh, I think that's the last game I'm going to until next month. I might be in New York for Eagles, Giants, maybe. 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 I don't know. It's December in New York. It is kind of cold, but I'm trying to make it happen. Anyway, those are my plans for this weekend. Uh, Long story short, Chargers are hurt again. (laughs) They're they're hanging on to the playoff race again somehow. somehow. And I can only imagine this is going to come down to the last week of the season. Two minutes to go. Tie game. Ball in Herbert's hands. Because the Chargers only know how to play one type of football game. And it's the type that is agonizingly close for no logical reason. So I'm looking forward to that. And with that, EJ, let's get to 3FUN. 3FUN, number one. This is probably long overdue on this show. But uh, Tua is playing out of his damn mind. And this is not just a a recent development. Pretty much the entire year he has played out of his mind, Uh, lest we forget that before he got concussed in week four against the Bengals, he was on pace to be the fastest quarterback ever to 1,000 yards in a season. Um, And then, you know, he was out for a couple weeks and came back, and he just kind of picked up right where he left off. But this week in particular I think was the magnum opus. Like this was the game of his life if you not not statistically i think he's had a couple better statistical games but you look at the film some of the throws he was making like they were backbreakers incredible touch and timing and anticipation under pressure you know out of structure in structure like he was freaking dialed to a level that we just haven't seen yet and he's had a great year this year was re- this game was ridiculous. There was a – I can't remember who number 14 the receiver is on the on the Dolphins, but he threw a fade to him at the back pylon out of empty for a touchdown that, I mean, could not be thrown any better. Like, within a, a six-inch box, could not be thrown any better. Uh, there was a, a throw over the middle to Waddle um, against, like, <laughs> a, a, a mixed coverage where his man on one side zone on the other, and he just he, – threw it, and he ear holed the linebacker over the middle in a deep seam route that was gorgeous. And, I mean, every time you look up, he's just throwing dots. This was the the Tua arrival game, I should say. Not that he hasn't been spectacular this year, but I think this was the game where I think even amongst football Twitter, you could see people go, oh, this this is real. This isn't going to stop. Like, this is just how he is. This is just how the Dolphins' offense is. They're just a threshing machine. And I don't know if anybody can stop them at this point because they ran the ball, they threw the ball, they could pass protect, they could run block, they play defense. Like, this team is, they're ready to go. They are absolutely
0: ready to go. I didn't watch this one super closely. It was on a, a screen that was farther away from us while we were at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I just sort of checked in. Like, when i go to the bathroom, I'd look at the score and I'd see a little bit. And then I got home and late last night i started watching it and i was rewinding and rewinding and rewinding and i wasn't even through the second quarter and i'd probably rewound six throws Mm -hmm. and i was like what in the hell like he (laughs) hasn't missed by more than like two inches yet and these are not people talk about oh timing touch little throws crossing patterns yak no <laughs> like stop it don't don't do that anymore go back and watch this film he was drilling the ball at NFL depths 13 to 18 yards across the middle right between two defenders on the numbers over and over even the throws that weren't completed they hit the receivers Like, the receivers didn't complete the catch, whether it was through contact or they just dropped him or whatever else. Even his incompletions were on the freaking dial. It's ridiculous. When you talk about NFL history, a lot of games played in NFL history. Only two players in NFL history have had three consecutive games with 275 pass yards, three touchdowns, and 135-plus passer rating. 99 Kurt Warner. Mm Mm-hmm greatest show on turf won the nvp and 2022 tua that's I mean, it that's it that's all there is for that particular stat fine you say oh you can trade pick stats all day it's true we can we're gonna th- keep this doing
1: offense it. actually compares pretty favorably to greatest show on turf by the way if you look at how it's built like they're not it's that
0: dissimilar not dissimilar highest pass rating on third down in a single season since 2000 so last 22 years 2022 Tua is 149.8 so far. It's not done with the season yet. That's damn near perfect. Aaron Rodgers, the the next highest in the last 22 years. 2009 Aaron Rodgers, 133.5. And strangely, the wild card, 2004 Dante Culpepper at 133.4. Which oh. is staggering. That's just a fun one thrown in there. But literally, 133 to 149 is the difference between the best to do it in the last 22 years on third down and Tua. <laughs> like, he, this is not one throw, one type of throw. Oh, the little throw. Oh, the game manager throw. Oh, the on time. He's a system quarterback. Stop it. Like, he ain't. He is drilling it nobody in the league right now is playing better more consistently on the full breadth of what a quarterback needs to do than Tua. He is they just keep ripping off wins and everybody goes, "Oh, it's the talent around him." And I saw a friend of ours, a very prominent analyst who will remain nameless, this morning go, "That's really a product of his environment." I'm like, "Oh, dude, no. <laughs> Shh. Sh- sh. Go back, watch the tape." Like The throws he made yesterday against Cleveland were not a product of his environment. Yes, protection matters. Yes, weapons matter. But if you hit that weapon right here at 18 yards between two defenders, like four times in a row before the first half is over, it's not your environment. You're ripping it. You understand the offense, you're in sync, and you are throwing the ball with deadly accuracy. Tua is on top of the world right now. Talk about perception Josh Allen and Justin Herbert have combined for 12 picks since Tua threw his last one. <sighs> Which 12.
1: Especially Josh Allen over the last 3 weeks, like you look at some of the reckless interceptions that he's had that were indefensible. Like and and the book on Tua for a long time was like, well, he can't make the throws that Josh can, but he protects the ball and the
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: the, the the dreaded game manager label. Um well, he's making pretty damn good throws. Andy's protecting the ball, and the Dolphins are winning a lot.
0: (laughs) He's pushing the ball down the field. That's the thing. I've said that even on this program, like that, hey, you know, he is about – we've said it since before he was drafted, accuracy and timing, accuracy and timing. Mm -hmm. He drove the ball yesterday in Cleveland. Like he had multiple throws over 10 to 12 yards on a line on a dime just Mm – one after another after another after another to the point where you don't go oh that was a really good throw like that was a really good throw and that was a really good throw and that was a really good throw and you get to the end of the game and there's a whole stack of holy shit he's ripping it throws
1: i think uh you know especially in light of recent events uh that, that have happened with josh allen i think that there's there's three main contenders for mvp four technically if you can't say one just because it's saquon um but in terms of like three main quarterback contenders for MVP. It's Patrick Mahomes, who's probably number one right now, uh, especially if you watch that last primetime game where they literally would not have won without him. Uh, It's Jalen Hurts. As long as they keep winning and as long as he keeps playing like he is, they're going to be in the conversation he's going to be in the conversation. And then it's Tua. Like Those are the top three quarterbacks in the league right now in terms of uh, MVP consideration. And Josh Allen was there, but he keeps giving the ball away. And the other three are not. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a big part of the job description is don't give the ball to the other team. So I think, you know, looking at guys that are making big-time throws and protecting the ball and putting their teams in position to win and, you know, making runs at first seeds and setting themselves up for a nice January, like those are three quarterbacks right now in the league that are doing it better than anybody else, and two is one of them. So uh, good for him, you know, good for kind of with everything that he withstood over the last couple of years with, you know, him and Flores not getting along uh, and, you know, ownership trying to push him out essentially. <laughs> uh, and he just, he, he fought back and he stuck with it. And Mike McDaniel came in and McDaniel believed in him and said, we can do this together and they're doing it together. So, you know, g- good for Tua just, that's the number one thing. Good for Tua. He's, he's been through a lot. And I think that uh, he has a right to be kind of a cocky asshole about it. Cause a lot of people were cocky assholes to him. So you know, if and he's got a if he's got a little hair on his chest in the press conference, I'm all for it. I think he's earned and it. he's
0: and he's so not. That's the thing is anybody that he's gets to spend, a, He's had
1: a couple snipes at the press, but he, I think he in, earned
0: it in press conferences. But if you talk to folks that spend time around to it, and he, and we haven't, we you know, I certainly never. I don't think I've even ever met him. But everybody that spends a lot of time around him says super humble, nicest guy, you know doesn't cuss so i'm not sure he'd want to come on the show but you know he'd, he'd probably be nice about it uh just a a really personal guy and hasn't let all that stuff because there's a lot of stuff gets him and he's just out there doing what he he always believed he could do but he's doing it at such a high level right now with the addition of mike mcdaniel and and that offense he just understands it and they're gonna be so tough to stop it's it's fun to watch if you're a football fan You know, other than being maybe a Bills fan because, you know, sworn enemy of the Dolphins, it's fun to watch right now. Uh, I did mention Saquon being in
1: the conversation tangentially for MVP, just because the Giants would not be the Giants without him. Uh, I I do want to bring up three fun number two, which was it was a big Sunday for running the ball. You know, Saquon maintained his pace for for the season, racking up another buck 50 against Houston. Jonathan Taylor Uh, Had his first big game in a while. Uh, Another, you know, close to buck 50, 6.7 per carry. Aaron Jones went off. Dalvin went off. Justin Fields went off. And he's one of the 10 most productive rushers in the entire NFL this year uh, so far. And he's a freaking quarterback. And they didn't even start calling designed runs for him until like a month ago. (laughs) And he's still in the top 10 rushing. So um, huge, huge week for running the ball and uh all of these guys in one way or another were kind of the main reason why they won
0: yeah this we've talked about pretty much all these guys we don't need to belabor the point throughout the podcast but you know taylor was a huge reason the colts won that game you can talk all you want about jeff saturday but when you get the offensive line working together and again as you said with taylor he breaks through wide open holes he's easily talented enough to rack up damn near a buck 50 saquon saquon's pace is ridiculous brian table loves him and hates him loves what he can do has no regard for his physical safety because every (laughs) week it's as many runs as saquon can carry um aaron jones we talk about him being a superstar all the time we got to see him do it you know in buffalo and we see him do it all the time Uh, You know, Tony Pollard finally gets his spot in the sun with no Zeke. Runs up 115, 5.2 per. Almost got Dallas the win. Not his fault they didn't. He did everything he could have. Justin Fields, 147 rushing yards. 11.3 per carry. You know, they probably, again, should have knocked off Detroit, much like the Cowboys should have knocked off the Packers. They had a very good win percentage going into the game late. But the Bears in general break the 1976 Steelers NFL record of four straight 225 yard rushing games this is the Bears fifth straight game so they break that record from 1976 and Justin is a huge part of that he's number six overall in the league right now in rushing now for quarterbacks like he is the sixth best rusher in the league he has more yards than Aaron Jones who we just talked about who we love and think is a superstar. And again, they didn't start calling designed runs until a month ago, and he's the sixth best sixth best rusher in the league. Easy for me to say. Wow, <laughs> it was it's fun for somebody that likes rushing, and it's been suppressed. It's been passing. I've said it. It's a passing league. Modern modern NFL. You gotta pass. Gotta pass. Gotta like all these guys basically drove their teams forward on the strength of their rushing attack, and it was it was a lot of fun. Dalvin's. 81-yarder in that game against Buffalo. That's the difference. Like, they don't win without it. Yeah, that's
1: that's what helped, you know, start and spark everything, you know, because they needed it. It was a one-play drive.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he has that talent. We just kind of haven't seen a week where, like, a whole – we saw Mixon, you know, last week's five touchdowns and whatever, but this week it just felt like every time he turned on, like, here goes another guy on a 40, 50-yard run, or here goes a guy that's averaging – Six and a half yards a carry, like okay, like that is explosive enough to replace some passing downs and still be thought of as efficient NFL football. So, good times.
1: There's a there's an old uh coaching idiom from I think it was like the sixties or seventies because of course it was. Because uh, of course it was. <laughs> there's three things that can happen when you throw the ball, and two of them are bad. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> that perfectly encapsulated the Bears game because they ran all over them, you know, put up 30 points, but that pick six was what lost them the game. Like they, that game was well in hand, mm-hmm. but Justin, I can't, I still don't even know if he was trying to throw it away or if he just missed. Yeah. Like I have no idea how that happened. But that pick six from Okuda is what got the Lions back in the game, which is an excellent transition for three fun number three which is Dan Campbell got his first road win as the Lions head coach. That pick six, as we mentioned, was a big reason uh, in terms of sparking the comeback. They were down by two possessions late in the game. He was 0-11-1 going into this game on the road, let alone being down by two possessions, uh, and he desperately needed this one. The Lions desperately needed this one, and they, they gutted it out. And, you know, all credit in the world to them obviously they got gashed a lot on the ground as they do every single week but the offense you know went blow for blow uh especially in the fourth quarter like the Bears secondary couldn't stop a freaking nosebleed uh Jalen Johnson gave up a huge one on third down for like 30 yards to um was it Tom Kennedy I think it was on like a crossing route where he just kind of gave him a little shoulder ride and broke inside. And, like, honestly, once that ball got caught, I was like, oh, God, they're going to lose. Because if you can't even rely on Jalen Johnson to stop Tom Kennedy, you're going to lose. And lost they did. So credit to the Lions for coming back. Obviously a really tough loss for Justin Fields because he left it all out there. But uh, I kind of wanted to focus on the positive, Mm -hmm. which is Detroit getting a much-needed dub the first one on the road for Dan Campbell, and um, I'm happy for him. I really am.
0: Yeah, they've worked hard, and we've been very complimentary of that whole program of Brad Holmes and the last two drafts and Campbell's culture building and their offensive success this year we've talked about multiple times in previous weeks. The defense, still a problem. We knew that, but the ability to be resilient at some point, it doesn't matter how bad the team was before you got there. It doesn't matter how unbalanced they are in roster or cap construction or anything else. You just eventually are 0-15 if you don't <laughs> win one on the road, and that just stacks up. You don't get to sort of survive those kind of things like, hey, Dan campbell Link never won a road game. That's a terrible thing. <laughs> Half of the games every year are road games. He's going to have to start winning them. It was a good place for them to get off the schneid. It was a an impressive victory. Again, they were down. Chicago had this in hand couple of plays. We talk about that narrow margin of victory, that pick six. Yeah, I got a big groan from JB and I in the bar. We were like, what? Oh, Andy's going to score two. Bummer. And the secondary giving up completions late in the game, it really, you can just sort of roll that forward and look at the pass rush. And the pass rush was unable to get to golf all day. It's been a problem. Don't be surprised if the Bears spend an early pick on a, three tech or you know some devastating edge if they're there because they need it any warm body
1: that can get the quarterback at this point and you
0: were you were talking about Jacksonville corners a couple of weeks ago like I'll take anybody give me somebody functional and I feel that way about the Bears pass rush and the bottom line is the secondary is really good they invested in it but you can't hold up all day you can't be doing four and a half five seconds worth of coverage all day and then get to the fourth quarter it's much like a a punishing run attack that we saw from the Panthers, right? You wear people down, and then you start running them over in the fourth quarter. The secondary basically just got run over late in the game and couldn't hold together because they have to cover for a long time every play. The Lions are really talented on offense, and they managed to use that leverage, win the game, happy for Campbell and the Lions. It's a bummer for Justin. It happens. A lot of good stuff on both sides from the game, but Lions fans got to be happy they got off that schneid. The
1: only thing gave me a little bit of solace is hey at least the draft picks still a little bit better
0: that's you know (laughs) somebody said a while ago the best possible result is that justin struggles valiantly every game and loses by two or three
1: hey losses are losses if it gets me closer to jalen carter i'm good with it you know as long as we show life and we don't get embarrassed we're we're okay and so far hey the strategy's working out good on you justin Take yeah, one you, for the team. That's right. You got to show
0: <laughs> development, which he's obviously done over the last month, but a lot of folks have a very similar viewpoint to you, which is, yeah, it's <laughs> not the worst. They, they lose late. Like, hey, they showed what they needed to show, and they still get a better draft pick. Right yeah. now, uh, I saw standings after this week. They're currently sitting at sixth.
1: Six. Well, there's probably going to be at least three quarterbacks that go early. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah yeah we're in decent
1: position for will six
0: is fine top 10 is top 10 is a good place to be bears certainly have plenty of needs they have a first round pick this year so you know sitting at six pretty pretty solid they can get some help there for sure
1: will anderson jalen carter quentin johnston either one i'm good i'm good uh all right finally favorite segment of the week coming right up bootleg shot of the week All right, uh bootleg shot of the week time, you all voted overwhelmingly last week for show favorite, future hall of famer, all decade, top three. I'm gonna be generous, say top three weapon in history, Cordero Patterson. First game back, running over people at the goal line, you know, putting all two hundred and thirty pounds into it. He's a return phenom. He's a receiver. He's a running back. He's a gunner. Simply one of the best football players of my lifetime in terms of well-rounded football players of my lifetime. You know, I love you. Cordero Patterson. This one's for you, bud.
0: Uh, Anytime I get to talk about him, it's a good episode. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, some folks are like, EJ, why are you drinking coffee? Well, I'll let you figure that out. Uh, But Cordero is also a fantastic recruiter which a lot of people don't know he is he's one of those guys come free agency time he's on Twitter like yo hey what's up <laughs> well he's one of the he's God he's been around like 10 years
1: at this point so mm-hmm. people people know him they love him yep
0: he's like come on Wiley
1: vet yep for sure and he's still so explosive like 31 years old he was a shoelace away from breaking one on Thursday he's getting so close but anyway cheers to you. Cordero Patterson. Uh, We have four new nominees this week. Uh, A couple returners. No, that's not the right word. A couple returning nominees. They weren't returners. One of them actually crushed a returner. Yeah, did some bad
0: things to returners.
1: Uh, First things first, Rashad White, you knew this was coming. Had to put it in. Massive stiff arm might be the stiff arm of the year on Quandre Diggs, kind of putting an exclamation point on that Bucks win over in Munich. And I'm really happy the Germans got to see that in person because that was just brutal. It was full extension, full extension, like like Derrick Henry style toss him,
0: torques right, Uh like loads up, winds up, and gives the full like I'm going out to the fingertips. And Quandre Diggs is no slouch. Great safety buried him uh
1: nominee number two dylan cole making another appearance now, we talked about crushing returners he's the one that did it i mean took him off his feet leveled
0: him on uh, i think it was a it was a kick return or a punt return i can't remember which one again i wasn't watching this game particularly closely and i happened to look up live and see the guy go flying backwards and from TV angle, there's some other folks in front, so I couldn't quite tell who did it or what, but literally he runs into a crowd, and then he bounces back like two or three yards and lands on his ass. And I was like, did that just Did that just happen? Like, that's a fully grown man running at full speed, and he just looks like he hit a wall. He looked and, like he ran into a trampoline. <laughs> yeah, and turns out the wall is Dylan Cole. So we had Dylan Cole on a couple of weeks ago. He earned this one. This was This was a... Nasty knock.
1: Nominee number three is and Roberts uh, doing what very few people have ever done, which is decleating Nick Chubb. Extraordinarily hard to do, especially if you look at elsewhere in the game, Nick Chubb literally bouncing off people for a long touchdown run. Uh, Out leveraging him ain't easy, but and Roberts did it. This one's
0: my favorite. Normally, I don't say that before folks vote, but it is so hard to do and Landon Roberts did it so cleanly like this is a form tackle picked up one of the most rooted running backs in the game moved him 90 degrees and put him on his back like that is not something you see with Nick Chubb Nick Chubb always finishes his runs falling forward Landon Roberts said uh uh-uh, uh this week and it's it's awesome and then nominee
1: number 4 another titan this time on defense Rashad Weaver I mentioned it a little bit earlier on that uh, Strip Sackle. Strip Sackle. God. Strip, strip Sackle. I, we're, we're at the, what are we, an hour and 43 into recording? We're at the part where Ooh. this added up with this, and when you got scotch and tequila mixed together, things happen, EJ, things happen. Strip Sackle. Um, that's that's strip what's going sack. on the wall. Okay. Strip Sack. Uh, I mentioned earlier this was what set up the fourth down pick, but this happened in, like, the last minute of the game. Uh, Rashad Weaver, who had 10 pressures in this game, he was a monster for them. And I think he's like top 40 in the entire league among all edge rushers, interior rushers, like all the hundreds of guys. He's like top 40 in the league now because of this game. Had a gorgeous like Euro step, kind of like outside swim combo where he flashed speed to power and then Euro stepped out of it and swam over the top, hit Russell from behind, just crunched him. Got a big force fumble. I think they lost like 10 yards on the play. It was just an amazing play uh, to make Russell Wilson's life that much harder <laughs> in, in this one and uh and help seal a victory for Tennessee. That whole defensive front in general, like Danico Autry, um Simmons. You know, Shad Weaver, Simmons, like they don't even have Harold Landry, and they're arguably the best four-man pass rush in the NFL. And they don't even have Landry. Like, they are insanely good, which makes me a little bit worried about the Packers on Thursday
0: um, because I don't know how you block these dudes, but they're fun to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm very envious. We just talked about the lack of a Bears pass rush. Every every week when I watch the Titans, I'm like, oh, damn. Wouldn't it be <laughs> nice to get that kind of pressure rushing for with very few games? They they will run stunts, but like this one especially was pure one-on-one win he this wasn't helped by setup by structure like he basically dodged inside nice combo dynamic move to the outside to basically move his hips past and, and clear the hands and then big play in a big spot
1: yeah titans are just one of those teams where they can line up and say we're better than you deal with it <laughs> and they usually yep. are uh and uh they are actually headlining our week what are we week 11 now week 11 week watch 11. list Yep, they're headlining it. They are on Thursday night. We're going to be streaming during that game, giving as much live analysis and commentary as we possibly can. Um, and, And honestly, this game is super intriguing, so I don't think we're going to have to tap dance for the last two hours to make it interesting. I think this one will just naturally be interesting, so come on by for that. We go live a half hour before kickoff. We go all the way through the game. You know, I'll get the whiteboard going. We're, we're going to talk about all the different coverages the Titans like to run because they do some fun stuff back there as well. We'll talk about their pressure packages. We'll talk about hopefully Christian Watson doing more Christian Watson things. So stop by on Thursday for that. And then after that, we got a whole bunch of other great week 11 games uh, to hit up on Sunday and Monday. EJ,
0: which ones are you looking forward to? Yeah, Titans Packers, the headliner just because of a clash of styles and really, Again, if this last weekend hadn't happened, this game probably wouldn't have been as high on the watch list. But with the Packers resurging and the Titans playing very strong football, it becomes a really fun game. Jets-Patriots talked about the struggle in the AFC East, and really, this is always fun. Now the Jets have to go into Foxborough. Bill Belichick gets you know some time to prepare. This is going to be a good one either way. Cowboys-Vikings hmm i think a month ago we would have thought this game was tilted pretty strongly in the other direction right now the vikings are on a roll cowboys are licking their wounds after the packers should be a fun one and the oddly fascinated game is panthers ravens again a game you would have sort of thrown in the waste bin at the beginning when you were looking at the schedule panthers resurgent under steve wilkes ravens always fun the defense of the Ravens versus the offensive line of the Panthers and Deontay Foreman is going to be worth the price of admission.
1: How many passes do you think get thrown in that game over under 40?
0: Uh, I'm going to say under because PJ Walker's hurt and it's Baker Mayfield, right? That's that's It is going. It is Baker Mayfield for the Panthers and Mark Andrews is still hurt. Is that correct? I you know he's been kind of off and on the injury
1: report all year. Let me yeah. kind of double so, check this live.
0: I'm going to say if PJ's down on the Panther side and Mark Andrews is down on the Ravens side, I would go under 40. I would put under 40 on the slip for the combo.
1: Yeah, they're they're saying he's still dealing with a shoulder, but I don't know if he's if they've given any sort of indication about status no. or or anything like that either so way we'll see we'll
0: stylistically see. from a defensive and offensive perspective that matchup of Panthers O and Ravens D is going to be really really interesting.
1: Uh and by the way if Andrews uh does actually get on the field, we might get a, a few snaps of JC Horn versus Andrews in the mm-hmm. slot which for me absolutely also worth the price of admission so very intriguing game man yeah this episode's been a little bit longer than i expected so we're going to get out of here as quickly and quietly as we can ej what do you got going this week over on bears over beers
0: bears over beers i'm going to be looking at one of your favorites jack sanborn Oh, I love him. Yeah, I almost so did much. him last week in my All-22 review, but this week, uh, aside from some bad luck, would have had an exceptional game, but had a very good game. It's time to talk about what he brings in the wake of Roquan Smith moving on. So we'll be talking about that. We do that live on Wednesday night. It goes up on the channel on Thursday. And then Thursday night, be right here with you, talking about a very cool matchup. So that's what I got going on. What do you got going on? Um,
1: I... I- I fully realize that all of our wonderful editors who may or may not be watching this right now have a lot to do with their family over Thanksgiving week. So I'm going to try to do like the easiest film room I can think of, uh, and then get everybody out of here by like Saturday. And then they won't have to deal with me next week. And then I think they'll like, you know, they'll just help with the podcast. And then we just, we're all done by Wednesday and we can take Thanksgiving through Sunday and not doing anything and enjoying family. So I think I might do, either Tua or the Raiders I don't think I'll have time to do a Christian Watson one before the Thursday game but either two or the Raiders is what I'm thinking maybe Geno Smith we'll see but either way I want to try to make it like a nice chill easy episode so they can kind of you know go do their holiday thing and not not worry about doing shit for me for a while I think it'll be nice for them
0: seems completely reasonable
1: <laughs> uh, so that'll do it for us uh, again make sure to come back on Thursday for the stream Thank you to all of our executive producers, Marat, Consti, Caden, Fitzy, Taylor, and Liam. We appreciate all of you very much uh, for helping to make this possible. We'll be back next week uh, on Wednesday with our Week 11 recap. And then uh, we're not not doing
0: a stream on Thanksgiving, right? I don't think so. I was going to bring it up, but we'll have a final on that this Thursday. I don't believe we'll be streaming on Thanksgiving. Yeah, I...
1: I don't think we will. I'm I'm going to put it out in the ether. I don't think we will. So, either way, we'll see you guys very soon. And uh, until then, later. Take care.